All right, welcome to the AdaptX podcast, where we have conversations with individuals who are building accessible businesses, advocating for inclusion, or excelling in adaptive sports. Our intention is never to speak on behalf of those with disabilities, but give them a platform to amplify their voice and share insight and information to create a more accessible world. Today, we are joined by Wyatt Spaulding. Wyatt has been competing in the Special Olympics for 17 years. We'll talk about his incredibly successful athletic career. He has been involved in athlete leadership, health messenger training, government relations. He's one of two athletes selected from North America to be a Special Olympics Sergeant Shriver Global Messenger. And outside of competition, Wyatt is a staff member at Special Olympics Nebraska. He hosts three podcasts and is a friend to many. I listened to a couple episodes of your show, Brave the Attempt, and I hope that I'm able to be half as good of a host as you are. Wyatt, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, glad to be on. Hopefully that uh, that intro did you justice, but we'll talk a little bit more about it. Um, maybe before we dive into Special Olympics and athletics, um, want to tell me a little bit about childhood, maybe growing up, what school was like? Yeah, so growing up, I'm a twin. Uh, my twin brother, Weston, and I were born uh, two months premature. Um did not get super into the medical part, and I don't know all of it, but uh, basically my esophagus wasn't attached to my stomach. Um, I had a condition called like a T fistula, and it's like 1 in 15,000, or the odds of getting it were super low, and I got it. And I ended up having 13 surgeries in the first six months of my life, and then uh, I ended up having my 14th surgery my senior year of high school. So I've had 14 surgeries in my life. And then uh, growing up, you know, I was just like any other kid, had two older sisters, a twin, a twin brother, but when I would go to school, I would say probably like around, I don't know, third, fourth grade, I started to notice I was like a little bit different than the other kids. Obviously, I knew I was different because my hand uh, is really affected by my CP, my right hand, and school was, um, it was tough. I didn't really like school because I would like study, it seemed like, more than my siblings would because I just couldn't process all the information as quick or I'd study real hard and not do good on tests. Um, I was in the resource classes, so I was never with my friends really in any of the classes. I played, I played like YMCA sports as a kid. But then as we got older, I still hung out with my friends that played sports. And eventually I became the manager instead of playing. And um, like they were all in the same classes usually. But then me, I'm in the resource classes and always was kind of like behind. It was I always felt stuck in the middle because like I could communicate really well. Yeah, I had a disability, but it's mostly physical, you know, and just I struggled a little intellectually just in school and it was just it was tough like I went through some medical stuff on and off throughout going to school and just missing a lot of school I'd always be behind and it wasn't if it wasn't for my parents especially my mom you know I I don't know how far I would have made it in school I definitely would have flunked out because it was hard to keep up sometimes but um yeah I mean school it taught me like you're not gonna you're not going to do everything you want in life, but to get to where you want to go, you got to put in the work. And I knew all I had to do was get through high school and a couple years of college, and I never would have to go to class again. But, um, yeah, education was really important to my family, and 
they tried to help me as much as possible. So, yeah. Did your uh, did your school have programs like Special Olympics or Best Buddies? No, it wasn't like a unified schools, like what we call in Nebraska, unified schools. Um, yet, the unified schools program was my brother and I telling our friends, hey, Wyatt's got a Special Olympic game. You got to come. Come watch. And they always think like, you know, and I get it, like, is this like kind of a YMCA, you know, everyone plays environment. And it's like, yeah, everybody plays. And, you you know, it's not like high school where you just play the best players. Everyone plays. But it's competitive. And so my brother and I would just go around school and tell our friends. And we got our best friend, Kenny, to come um, in middle school. And then when we got to high school, he became one of our coaches. And then, like, by my sophomore year, I got a bunch of my friends to come to my game. And I made this huge shot in a game. And... My friends went crazy. It was like the loudest I've ever heard the gym. It was like a YMCA gym, and we played full court, but full court on the side hoops, so the short way. So it was just packed. And then it was to hear them cheer my cheer for me when I made the shot. It was pretty cool. So yeah, I'd say the the program, I guess, was just word of mouth by my brother and I. So nothing like so it is today. You and Weston were both born prematurely, but does he did he not have as many medical um, complications as you did? Yeah, like so. Actually, the funny thing was like when I was born, um, like my umbilical cord was like hanging on by like, an inch or two, and I already had weak lungs. My brother actually had like weaker lungs than I did because I was just used to having to work harder. But then he was in the hospital for a month, and then came home. And then I was in the hospital for like six months. And so like he dealt with some asthma stuff when we got older, but nothing too serious. And he was healthy, played football, football basketball, baseball, uh, mostly basketball in high school, played college basketball. So he was all good. And it was kind of hard, you know, like I was always really proud of him and what he did. And but I like, I felt a little jealous too because like I want to go to basketball camp or I want to go out for the middle school basketball team, but I just couldn't because of my disability. And I know it was hard for my parents to tell me that. But what my brother would do is he'd go to some summer basketball camp and then come home and we'd do the same drills he did at the camp in our driveway. And we just did our own camps. So he always made sure that I felt like included and like as much as possible and I didn't want him to feel bad just because I can't go to basketball camp or can't go out for the basketball team like you know it's not his fault I have a disability and can't go out for the team like I'm still the manager and because I wanted to watch him play and hang out with our friends so yeah yeah that's a very mature approach to it as you were telling the story that was one of the things I was thinking about whether that relationship was ever fractured in any way or whether you were ever envious of your brother or whether he ever felt guilt that he could play a sport and you can't. But it sounds like you guys really came to a mutual understanding of how you could both kind of thrive and, and perform to the best of your abilities. Yeah, so it was kind of like, you know, like middle school, uh, we probably weren't the best friends, but I don't think that would have mattered if I would have had disability or not. It's middle school. It's not the greatest time of your life. 
And um, uh, as I went into high school, I went through some pretty serious medical conditions, and we just got closer and closer, it seemed like. Um, I just would, you know, be practicing by myself, shooting hoops, like two to 500 shots a day at the Y, and he would, like, come find me, and we'd go play, go find guys to play two-on-two together, because he's like, well, you actually play hard, like, some of our friends, like, they're just messing around, like, I want to play a real game, so I quit, and came to find you, so we could go play a real game, and, um, yeah, I think, like, just that bond of basketball brought us together, and just uh, being twins, there's nothing, it's hard to explain, and if, if you're not a twin, it's just a bond that never can be broken, it's different than just being brothers, and, um, yeah, I think as we kind of went through more adversity as we got older in high school with my medical stuff, we just became really close, so... Yeah, my first introduction to disability was through Special Olympics. Um, I really had no uh, no experience prior to that, no real uh, introduction to inclusion prior to sophomore year of high school. Uh, I broke my wrist and I couldn't play basketball, so my mom forced me to volunteer with this uh, new Special Olympics program that had just been started in the district. And honestly, I was immediately hooked. I can't quite explain it but I was just so attracted to how passionate the athletes were how grateful they were for my time it felt like in a time in high school where like everyone expected a lot out of you all these athletes really expected was like my time and attention and that was just like so refreshing to me like they didn't have any preconceived idea of what they wanted me to be they just wanted me to be present for them and so I was immediately hooked um probably spent few thousand hours through high school and college coaching basketball powerlifting tennis golf soccer um and i know you you competed at usa games i was the i was the tennis coach for massachusetts at the 2014 usa games uh so i just missed you by by one iteration there but um special olympics obviously completely trained changed my life it uh kind of pointed me on the career path that i'm in now uh, when I opened my gym, the premise was to give my Special Olympic athletes a place to train alongside their peers. Uh, so I know something like that would be important to you and would resonate with you as well. If someone's hesitant to get involved with an organization like Special Olympics, what would you tell them? Um, I would tell them that, you know, there's no pressure at all. Like, you want athletes that are going to work hard every day when you show up, then Special Olympics is kind of the place to go because, like like you said, you wanted, you opened your gym and you wanted like athletes like us to um be a part of it like a lot of gyms you know we don't go there because not that we they don't want us to be there but it's kind of hard cuz like maybe they're not used to having someone with a disability come to their gym so how do how do we get them to adapt or do the workout and i think people are just kind of nervous sometimes around people with disabilities and i get it like sometimes it can be a little nerve-wracking but once you started to talk to them, like, we're, like, one of the hardest working athletes because we know, like, we deal with a lot of more hard stuff outside of sports than just winning and losing. Like, again, I know for me, like, there were times in my life, like, I was going through some serious medical stuff, and I was like, will I even be able to play, like, basketball the next day or ever again? Um, when I had my big back surgery to fix my scoliosis, I didn't know if I'd be able to shoot hoops 
in the driveway by myself. It wasn't even to play a game. I just wanted to shoot hoops in the driveway. So I think, like, you get athletes that know that sports is important. And, yeah, we're here to win. Like, I think people think we're just here to have fun and we don't care about winning. That's not true. We're athletes. Athletes care about winning. And I think we just kind of know, like, look, we're going to try our best to win the game. And if we don't, it's not the end of the world. And, you know, it sucks. But there's worse stuff than losing a game. So I think... Yeah, that's that's a message that I think sometimes doesn't get communicated to the public very well is that, like, it's not just about a participation trophy. Like, we were in competitive Special Olympics, like, basketball games. Uh, our athletes really want to win. The other team really want to win. Um, I think what, what you see sometimes is just this, like, uh, grand, everyone having a good time. But at the end of the day, like, it is competitive, um, yeah. and I think that's kind of a narrative that I think should be pushed forward as well. So people kind of have a different perception of disability. Like it's not just, uh, like a charity case. It's these athletes are actually training hard and competing. Yeah, for sure. I, I play in this tournament called the experience in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia every January. And you have to be invited to the tournament. You can't just sign up like all the other tournaments. And um, it's like the top 32 special tennis players in the U.S. get invited. And it's an elite level. Like, Special Olympics is really trying to do, like, elite levels now. And, you know, there there are levels where it is about just having fun. And, you know, that's great, too. But then there's higher levels, like that tournament. Like, just like if you would play in a state basketball tournament or whatever growing up, you know, we as athletes with disabilities, we want to play at the highest level we can. And I think people don't really think about that, that we, you know, want to try to be the best. Like we, we're not just out there to have fun. So. You mentioned etiquette and sometimes maybe in like the gym environment, they, um, a trainer might not be comfortable working with a disability. Um, what would you want if you were going to a gym for the first time? What would you want a trainer to ask you about your cerebral palsy or how would you want them to treat you? Um, but first I would like them to just talk to me like they would anybody else. Um, I get a lot of, not all the time, but it happens more than you would think. Like they talk to me like I'm six years old and I don't really know what's going on. So that's kind of just, you know, disrespectful. But first, you know, like I said, talk to me. Like, I'm a 28-year-old man. And then second would be, you can ask, like, I'm okay with ask with anyone asking me anything. Like, what kind of movements can you do? Like, can you, how much can you lift, especially on your right side? How far can you stretch? You know, just stuff like that. Like, I went to a, uh, like, a kickboxing class the other day. And the instructor was real cool. She, uh, yes, said, just do what you can do. And I just told her, like, I've done classes like that before. And um, she's like, yeah, if you can't, like, do certain things, no problem. Um, we can always um, adapt to it. And, uh, yeah, it went really well. So I think, like, just being upfront about it. Because sometimes if you're, like, hesitant and you try to be over nice, it can kind of come off as, like, a little disrespectful because you're not just, like, being upfront with us. Like, we, like, we don't really know anything. Like, yeah, we know we have a disability. We know it's going to be hard, but we're looking for you to like help us adapt to it or 
and please tell us ways to be safe so we can do the class with everybody else. So that's a common thing that we try to teach our volunteers at the gym or uh, back in the uh, the days that I was running Special Olympics programs is like communicating with the individual as an individual, as their biological age, maybe not like their cognitive age. Like if you're speaking to a, a 30-year-old with Down syndrome, speak to them as if they're a 30-year-old adult. Um, maybe they maybe they do function at a, a younger age um, equivalent, but that doesn't mean that they should be spoken to. But I think that's, it's always, it's never ill-intentioned, but people default to that like baby talk sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely one of the, one of the hardest things to communicate to like new high school volunteers sometimes is like, yeah. these are, these are athletes that are older than you, like speak to them like they're adults um, and find ways to support them in an age appropriate manner. And then sometimes it's adults and it's like, I get mad more at adults. Cause it's like, you're an adult, <laughs> you know, better like, come on, man. <laughs> like, but yeah. some kids are pretty good cause they don't really care. If you have a disability yeah. or not, so yeah, absolutely. Sometimes that uh, blissful ignorance is actually a, a beneficial thing. Uh, just not knowing any better. Uh, yeah. What would you say is your most memorable sporting experience? Oh man, that's a hard one. I would say probably playing in the USA Games. Um, I played in the 2018 Special Olympic USA Games. I played tennis, and I. Uh, I got third in singles, and then I got first in doubles with my doubles partner, Haley Wagner. We were actually down like 8-4 to four in the third set uh, tiebreaker, and we came back and won 10-8. Like, it was pretty crazy. And we over the low was like, did we just do that? Like, wow. Like, we were about to lose two points ago, it seemed like, and we just came back, and um, that was like kind of dream come true and then I played in the 2022 USA games and what made that special was I got to play basketball unified basketball with my twin brother Weston and that was cool because you know growing up we always wanted to play on the same high school or college team together and you know it didn't happen but we played we started playing unified in college and so we did that and had cool experiences with that, but to play at the USA Games was like playing at the highest level for both of us, and uh, it was just cool to like share that with him. We ended up playing in the first division, and we got uh, fourth, so we didn't get a medal, but we finished fourth out of the top 13 in the U.S. for unified teams, and that was pretty cool because Nebraska is not really known for basketball, so he showed <laughs> we were, you know, good at basketball, so... Uh, I just think like, um, those big moments. Cause I worked when I went to 2018, what made it cool was I thought I was going to go to 2014, like you did for coaching, but I had my back surgery. So then I couldn't even get picked. So then I worked all four years for that to not get picked because of a medical thing. So then I worked another four years and got picked and basketball. I never knew if I would get picked because it's my favorite sport, but it's not my best sport. Like tennis, I'm probably better at, but basketball, I just like a little more. So just to be able to know that I worked hard enough to become a good enough basketball player and to play with my brother, that was a huge accomplishment. So, Are you a big NBA fan? Yeah, I like the Celtics. 
So, oh yeah, there we my, go. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. That's my Although team. Last, and, night, last night was pretty bad, but other yeah, than I can't that, believe they lost last night. <laughs> that was rough. That was awful. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, we're in Massachusetts, obviously. Uh, big Celtics fan here as well. I'm yeah. not sure how they lost to the Lakers without LeBron or AD, but um, yeah, that's besides that the point. <laughs> um, you're a podcast host, several different shows. Um, what is your preparation like before you record an episode? So first, like, I'll look up, you know, facts about who I'm interviewing. Um, kind of think, come up with some questions. Uh, probably a list of like anywhere from like eight to twelve questions, and then uh, just kind of like prepare, like tell the person I'm interviewing, like here's the questions I'm gonna ask you, or you know ask them to like kind of like what you told me, like is there anything you don't want to talk about, or are you good with talking about anything? And so, and every podcast is kind of different. Um, my Be Unexpected podcast, I run with my best friend. Uh, Jake Burnside and we that's more about like going through adversity and like hard times in life because Jake and I have both gone through some pretty challenging times in life that not a lot of like 17 year olds would go through when we were younger and so we like to hear people's stories about how they overcame adversity so it gets pretty personal so we do ask them is it okay to like are you okay sharing that and then um the special Mc one brave in the attempt is like about health and also kind of like how special Mc athletes kind of live their lives a little bit. And so I get like health professionals on. I've had a couple of dietitians. Um, I had Tim Shriver on the chairman of special Mc, So that was really cool. And just kind of like, I always send them questions. Like here are the questions I will be asking you. And, um, so that just kind of like letting the, um, guests be comfortable with coming on the podcast and doing my research about what I want to ask them. And then I ended up running a third one cause my, t and it just started. So it's not too big yet. My twin brother wanted to do one. And so that's just kind of us like talking about what it was like growing up with me with disability, him as an athlete playing high school sports and college and, you know, just talking with your brother, you know, but, um, yeah, when I, the other two, though, uh, I just try to prepare as best as I can to be professional and, make, like I said, make the guests feel comfortable. So, On the be, be expect, unexpected one, you talk about overcoming adversary, uh, adversity. Sorry, What would you say are the biggest challenges that you have personally overcome um, over the last 10 years, maybe since um, finishing high school? Well, so my senior year of high school, I had scoliosis really bad. It was like an 80 degree curve. So like my whole body was kind of turned and like I could like I felt my head to the left. My ear could touch almost my shoulder. And so that was like a huge thing. They literally took my spine from the top of my neck to the middle of my back and they just pulled it back up. And so today I have like three rods and 27 screws in my spine. And that was really tough. Um, I remember coming out of surgery, just feeling the most excruciating pain I've ever felt in my life. It was like a two-year recovery. But Special Olympics actually helped me get back because like my, my uh, physical therapy was I just had to walk like a bunch. And 
I just kind of thought how I didn't make it to the USA games in 2014. And that was like my goal from like freshman year of high school. And now it's, I made it to my senior year of high school and I just took like 10 steps backwards. And I knew that 2018 was, you know, four years from that, from then. But I just kind of like would listen to motivational speeches, music, drill a basketball around my neighborhoods and just kind of envision myself like making it to the 2018 USA games. And I think just having that belief that, you know, everything's going to be all right. Like, I may be down now, but I'll make it. You know, I wasn't supposed to, you know, even make it when I was born. There were a couple episodes where they had to, like, um, revive me or bring me back to life when I was a baby because I was just having all kinds of medical um, problems. So, I mean, if I did that as a baby, now as, like, a 18, 19-year-old, you know, I'm a lot stronger. How can I not come back from this? So uh, that was like my biggest hurdle. And then a couple years down the road, 2018, I all of a sudden started having these choking episodes. And uh, I started like not being able to eat as much. Like I couldn't get as much down. So I think it's called like dysphagia. And what happens is like I have this wrap. So the wrap is what connected my esophagus to my stomach when I was born. And apparently it can like slowly fail. And so that's what was kind of happening. It was like slowly failing. And then like the entry in my stomach would like close up. One time it closed up like completely and I couldn't even get water down and I got dehydrated and I lost 10 pounds in two days. And then uh, I had to go to the hospital for a couple of days. And then it took me like 10 months to gain back 10 pounds. So I've been dealing with that ever since 2018. And so what I do is I go in every 8 to 12 weeks. And it's called Scope. And they basically like take this camera, go down, and they use like this balloon thing and open up my stomach again. So I've been going through that. And of course, like... I always have like the worst timing. It got really bad during the COVID time. So I didn't deal with that during when we were all dealing with COVID. And I think like that was a big moment for me because being 24, 25 at the time, you know, I wanted to be independent. I wanted to move out just like my sisters and my twin brother have done. But, you know, my parents were always like, yeah, but you got this and got this medical condition, you know, and, and I was going to move out in 2020. I was two days away, and then COVID happened, and then I couldn't move out because I was at high risk. So I was so close and then kind of fell short of my dream. But I kind of came to the realization. It was like, look, I'm always going to have a medical problem probably. You know, I always have CP. It's just part of my life. It doesn't make me who I am, but it's just something I have to deal with. It sucks, but, you know... I'm just going to have to face that adversity probably for the rest of my life. And I'm not saying I've always been in a good mood. I've had down days and negative days, but eventually what I've learned is you got to pull yourself out of it. Because, you know, it's like they always say, like, you know, life doesn't, life just keeps going. Like, it doesn't stop for anybody. So you just got to keep going. Even if, like, I'll fake it, like I'm in a good mood, but really deep down I'm, like, hurting 
or I've gone through depression several times, especially as a kid growing up. And in a little bit in my um, early 20s, I went through depression. And it's just, uh, you got to keep going, man. I mean, I'd say motivational sports movies have always uh, helped me because I felt like I am those guys. Like, you come back from just this big adversity and no one thought you could do it. And you just proved everybody wrong. And that's always really fun to do. So just having the belief that everything's going to be okay and having the faith that everything will work out in the end, even if it's not the way you planned it. So, Thanks for uh, sharing that vulnerability. There's a lot of a lot of really good quotes in there that you said. Uh, appreciate you sharing that. Um, yeah. What are your goals for the next five years, maybe? So um, like, like you said, um, I did, when you introduced me, I, I'm a Sergeant Shriver, uh, Global Messenger now, so I want to do really well in that, you know, become a, a pretty well-known speaker for Special Olympics and just people with disabilities in general. And I hope to, like, make a good impact on uh, people's lives as I do that. I go to training in Washington, D.C., like in May. So I'm really looking forward to that. So just becoming a well-known speaker and sharing my stories and ups and downs and helping people get through their everyday lives and telling them, like, hey, man, like, if I did it with all these medical problems and I'm like, you're like two times my size because I don't even weigh 100 pounds and not even five foot ten, you know, you can do it too. And so doing that and sports-wise, just trying to work on my basketball and tennis game mostly, trying to become one of the best special tennis players in the U.S. someday. You know, it's a hard dream, but I'm working on it. And basketball, I just want to, you know, be able to do what I can to help my team lead my team in scoring assists or whatever they need me to do and um, showing people I can play quarterback from the small sky out there. So that's always fun because I'm thankful that my parents were athletic and I have a decent arm. So, but, uh, and then just like personal again, want to be independent, man. I'd probably say that's the big thing. I want to be independent, you know, live on my own and uh, maybe have my own apartment someday, be able to support myself. Um, I live with my parents right now. Uh, one goal of mine that I did complete that I got my parents. I lived in a, I grew up in Fremont, Nebraska, which is about a smaller town, about an hour from Lincoln, Nebraska. Well, I got my parents to move to Lincoln, Nebraska finally. So now I just kind of like, there's more to do here. And just like I wanted that adventure of, you know, not having to live in my hometown because like I didn't get that choice. I went to the college in my hometown because around that time, like I said, I had the back surgery. So um, just kind of another step towards independence and happy I got to Lincoln. And uh, I got friends that live here and I made some new friends, but hoping I can move out and live in an apartment someday. If I could even get, have, have what my parents have now, what my siblings have, I'd feel like a millionaire, man. Cause I, uh, you know, when you can't really support yourself and it's not because you're not trying because of medical stuff and stuff that's out of your control, really. You know, it's hard. But I try to tell myself, like, you try to control what you can control. And um, uh, with me, it's just, like, great things have happened to me. The same as my siblings. It just has taken me longer. So I'll get there. And one day I will be independent and be able to support myself. So, yeah, that's kind of my main uh, dream besides everything else, so. Yeah, I love that. The person who 
facilitated this connection. Michaela, I was actually just on a call with her a couple hours ago presenting to one of her groups, but she was saying that you were crushing it at Special Olympics Nebraska, and they like moved you from a volunteer to a to a paid position. Um, yeah, it's so that, that's cool. a, that's a huge yeah that's a huge accomplishment. What is your what is your role within the state organization there? So I'm a, like a program associate, and I help with like athlete leadership, and then I do the podcast for them. I'm starting to learn my role in like uh, so the social media part of it, and kind of like I'll help out with all different areas. Like I haven't really started now, but I think I'm gonna help out with like there's this thing called Yak, so that's like the high school students that get involved with the unified schools. Help out with that. Um, go, go around and I'm going to do like some health seminars for, um, health professionals that are either in school or that are in the medical field now and, um, just like, um, teach them what it's like to deal with someone with a disability in a doctor's office and what we need them to do so they can help us and we can help them understand like how they can help us become more healthy because, um, a lot of people with disabilities, I think the statistic is like, like we die 15 years earlier than we're supposed to, and so that's one of my roles too. And uh, I just kind of started, so I'm kind of all over the place, but I'm really excited because like my job basically is like helping a lot of different areas, but those are like the main ones right now. And I I like I'm pretty I love my job. Like I can't wait to see like in a year what uh where I'm at. So with the Special Olympics Nebraska, so. They've done a lot through awesome. me even before I got the job too. Like, I wouldn't be here without Special Olympics Nebraska. So, yeah, it's awesome to be able to give back to that organization that yeah. meant so much to you. And it's cool. Like, I'm we're relatively new in our podcasting journey too, and it's it's fun to be a beginner and be learning how to host a podcast better, disseminate a podcast better, like edit a podcast better. It's uh, it's been a cool process. So. I, I would imagine you kind of have some of those similar experiences where you're kind of always refining your craft. Uh, but it's been a fun learning experience for sure. It keeps it, keeps it exciting. Yeah, definitely. Like I think before I started my first one, I, I spent a month just trying to learn everything. Like, especially like the tech stuff. If you're like good at, like I'm good at the content, but you know, the tech stuff, I was like, this is not my area. So like, I'm just trying to learn the basics, start off. And we'll go from there, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll ha- we'll have to talk uh, after the episode and stay in touch as we're both trying to uh, trying to grow our platforms there. Yeah. It'll be uh, mutually beneficial, I'm sure. Uh, what are common misconceptions that people have about you and your disability? I think they think I maybe just I can't do a lot of stuff that someone that that doesn't have a disability can do. Like people always ask me, like. You know, can you walk this far a distance and stuff? And I was like, yeah, I can do that. Like, yeah, my legs probably bug me every day. But because I work out and stuff, I just, I can do it. Like, I deal with cerebral, cerebral palsy pain every day, which for me is like a spasm and then like a burning on my feet, kind of. But it's all about mental toughness, too, like which my parents taught me, like, the best thing my parents ever told me were these three things. Life isn't fair, suck it up, and rub some dirt on it. Like So I just kind of would always say that. And when I was in retail, I think people, 
like customers sometimes would talk to me like like I went back before like I was six or it was just like it was ridiculous and they just wouldn't respect me because I had a disability and or like I had great co-workers but they always asked like do you need to sit down I was like nah I'm fine my legs were killing me but I was like I don't want to be different than everyone else I'm fine like I'll sit down when I get home you know so I think just knowing that people with disabilities like some of us, like, we had to grow up a lot faster. So we're, like, a lot mentally tougher than people that don't have disabilities. Because we had to go through some adult adversity at 15, 13, maybe 10 years old. And we couldn't be a kid sometimes. We had to, like, go through this adult situation with our medical condition. Or maybe we're left out of something because we need to be safe like of sports or whatever. So I think like people don't think we are tough enough to take the hard reality of life when really we've been learning about the hard reality of life way before anyone without a disability was because, I mean, the first day I was born, you know, when I came in the world, like I kinda, I, I kinda lost. Like I was felt, I had adversity right away and nobody wants a disability. Like no parent, wants a kid to have a disability, but if you do have a disability, what we're really good at is making the best of it. Like, yeah, we have a disability, but it doesn't define who we are. I could be the way I am today without a disability. You know, my disability doesn't make me this way. I am this way because I'm Wyatt Spaulding. I'm not because I have cerebral palsy. So I think if you talk to us, you'd be surprised what we've learned about life from an early age on because which has been dealt with a little tougher hand than some. So, Health and fitness is obviously important to you. Um, what do you think needs to be done to make fitness more accessible for people with disabilities, more inclusive? I think like if like gyms would maybe kind of post on their websites or had some type of a- advertisement like, hey, we have adaptive uh, classes or we – we uh, will adapt to your ability of physical activity. Like I went to a gym, uh, Genesis, where I read the description of the classes and they're like, it's for all people, any athletic ability, we will adapt to your um, uh, physical ability. And I really like that because like, oh, good. Like, so if I show up, you know, if I can't do something, they'll be cool with it. Like, and sometimes they do advertise it, but, you know, it's not, like, big, like, on, like, a somewhere you can click on it, just in this little tiny description in a class, which a lot of people maybe won't look at. But I think just kind of being more um, vocal about it, like, maybe you could bring in a couple athletes that have a disability and have just one class for them to start with if they don't want to do it with everyone else in the gym so they feel comfortable. And then uh, gradually they come back and do the classes with everyone else because I think, like, people want us at the gym, but maybe people with disabilities don't feel like they want us, like, because we're nervous. Like, you know, like I said, not a lot of people, like, have cerebral palsy. Like, when I go to a gym... I maybe no, I don't see anybody that looks like me with like one hand and then another hand that doesn't look all that great. Like, so it's kind of confidence too. Like, you just helping maybe the 
just having the confidence to go in, and I know athletes do, but if someone at the gym would kind of be more confident in reaching out to us and being like, hey, will you come to our gym and we'll make it adaptable for you. And uh, it's a safe so, place. So, so transparent, transparent messaging and marketing from the gym. Yeah. Like demonstrating, demonstrating that they're willing to make those modifications when needed. Um, yeah. Because I think oftentimes people with disabilities aren't marketed to. Um, mm -hmm. But it's tough from like the business owner standpoint as well. I've talked about this on some other episodes, how I never want to like exploit my adaptive athletes. Like sometimes... I'll share an awesome accomplishment from one of our athletes and the audience or the people like commenting will direct their praise towards me. Like, it's like, Oh, Brendan, you're doing such a great thing by having this gym. And I'm like, no, like that's not what I'm trying to show. I'm trying right. to show what the athlete's capable of. So sometimes as a business owner, it's tough to find that line between marketing and demonstrating that you're inclusive, but not, like exploiting or not looking for praise, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Or people like with me, it's like, I don't want to like, I don't want that overpraise. Like, Oh man, you're such an inspiration. Like, yeah, that's cool sometimes, but sometimes it gets overworked and it's like, I just want to work out here like everybody else. You know, I don't want it to be a big deal that I came to this gym and I'm the one guy with a disability, you know, I'm just here to work yeah, out. So, so, yeah. So, normalizing it um and i think you made an important point where like obviously our idea of inclusion is people with and without disabilities coexisting but you mentioned how the adaptive athlete themselves might be more comfortable kind of in a group of only other people with disabilities or maybe working in a one-to-one -one until they kind of build up the confidence to be immersed within that group so i think that's that's a big thing that gyms can do as well is to make sure they have like a clear onboarding process for not only people with disabilities but for everyone to make sure they are comfortable they have the prerequisite skills to like exist in these group classes so i think that's a simple thing that all gyms could do is just making sure that members are comfortable and onboarded properly and kind of acclimated to the environment that they offer yeah so. sure uh well why i think you shared a ton of great stuff um super impressed by how articulate and how you demonstrated and shared your message. Uh, really appreciate it. We'll definitely link uh, Brave in the Attempt and either of the pod other podcasts if you'd like to us to share those as well. Um, but is there anything that you'd like to share with our audience? Is there any way that they can benefit the work that you're doing? Yeah, I mean, just like with people with disabilities, I would just say, you know, just don't be afraid to ask questions like we enjoy conversations with anybody and there's no need to be nervous about coming up, coming up to someone with a disability and you can just ask questions like, Hey, how'd you get CP or like, you know, why, what is wrong with like, why does your hand look like that or something? You know, there's nothing shameful about that. And, uh, we just want to be treated like everyone else. Like, like we're just the same as you. We want to work out and be in good shape and compete in sports just like the next athlete. So, yeah. Thank you for listening to the AdaptX podcast. Our effort to amplify the ideas of our guests and create more inclusive and accessible industries is futile unless these episodes reach a larger audience. If you enjoyed our discussion today, please leave us a rating or a review on whichever platform you use. 
And if you would like to learn more about Adaptex, the course that we teach to health and fitness professionals and the projects that our organization is working on, you can subscribe to our newsletter through our website, www.adaptex.org. Until next Monday.